fuck with me. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. You know me, man. Come yeah, on. yeah. Come on. These y'all not these on check. All right. All right, welcome to another episode of Scotty Talks Philly Sports. I'm here with my new uh, part-time co-host, Phil Stifle. Did I say the last name right? You did. You were probably the first person ever <laughs> to say that name on the first try right. <laughs> and it's it. funny, man, because I... Bonus points. I put a check mark on my notebook right from the get-go. Hey, man, that's a good way to start out, right? Um, I was actually, it's funny, I was listening to the All About the Birds pod earlier, and I heard your uh, co-host say it, and uh, that's I was kind of just mimicking him. I just wanted to make sure I say it right the first time, though. Um, so, yeah, we're welcoming on a new co-host, my other co-host, Willie. He's not here tonight. He had some uh, technical difficulties. So we're going we're going on the show here tonight. We, we're going to take control of it. Um so, yeah, as always, remember to like and subscribe on YouTube. Of course, uh, add us on, on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, any ma- major streaming platforms. Um, also, be, be sure to check out the All About the Birds podcast, as I already said. Uh, my man Phil over there, he, he already co-hosts on that show. Uh, awesome Eagles, Eagles podcast, man. You're going to get some great knowledge. Um, one of my favorite ones. Uh, make sure you follow them at uh, on Twitter, and you guys don't have an Instagram page, right? Or no, you do, you do. Yeah, there, there's an Instagram and Twitter page. It's both AAT Birds. So go ahead and give them a follow, and be sure to check out their podcasts. I'm glad to have you on the show. If you just want to introduce yourself a little bit to my listeners, uh, you know. I, mean, I think you pretty much summed it up. I appreciate it, you know. Uh, <laughs> Phil Stifle, you know. I, we've been doing, we're, we're up to 27 episodes of All About the Birds. You know, try to talk anything outside of the birds. You know, Philly Sixers. Um, yeah, I own a pizza shop in Kennett Square. If anybody ever comes out that way, pop nice. So this this is my side gig on top of the pizza or on top of the pizza shop is talking sports. And you know, all my followers are going to hope to try to get them all to watch your show. You know, again, I've been sharing your show, so I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, likewise, man. Big time. You know, anything to keep you know talking sports. The one thing I've been talking about a lot for the last couple of months on Twitter is, you know, it's the hashtag, why I stopped talking to sports radio. I know you've seen that. Yes, sir. Because there's guys like you, guys like me, guys like there's a lot of us out there that we're putting in the work, we're trying really hard, and, you know, you know, listen to, you know, I don't want to say listen to us, but that's just really what it is. Yeah, yeah, of course. We're not phoning in like some of the guys on sports talk radio. Yeah, man, they, they uh, you know, a lot of those guys, they, they like to sell their souls to get those ratings, man. And uh, I like to look at myself and I, I even look at you, you know, we just like to keep it real, you know. <laughs> and uh, we're not we're not putting stuff out there just for clickbait. Exactly. Exactly. If I if I did, then I was I would just talk about Carson Wentz and Nick Foles for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> but um. Yeah, so so welcome to the show, man. I'm glad you uh, decided to take part in it. Uh, we're going to dive right in. Um, I'm just going to give a quick overview of the show. We're going to obviously dive into the Phillies-Marlins series over the weekend. Obviously, the big news came out on, uh, what was that, Monday, yesterday, uh, with all the COVID outbreaks on, their, on the Marlins team. Uh, we'll jump into the Sixers scrimmages from over the weekend. Uh, they're actually playing right now. Uh, we had to stop watching because uh, we had to record this episode. So, um, 
we'll follow that up with Jamal Adams trade. I, I want to dig into that a little bit. Of course, you already dug into that last night and the Wentz and Lane Johnson left off the, the top 100, the NFL top 100 list. Um, and then we'll just finish it out, you know, short segment, kind of, you know, where the sports world is at and, you know, are these leagues making the right decisions as far as not having a bubble system like the NBA, like the, you know, NHL, uh, who are looking pretty clean right now as far as moving forward. Um, so let's jump right in. You know, the Phillies and Marlins played over the weekend. Um, Phillies lost twice to the Marlins. It, it seems like it's becoming a, a normal thing, you know, to lose to the Marlins and, and just suck it up against the Marlins. Um, our pitching staff showed their true colors on Sunday. It was it was a little rough on Monday night. You know, it wasn't it wasn't too bad, but or on Friday night, I'm sorry, but uh, Sunday night, woof! They 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 showed their their true colors Sunday afternoon, man. Um, so obviously, you know, just some takeaways I had. You know the bullpen. I don't know. I was I was sitting here misled over, <laughs> and I think a lot of Phillies fans falls into that Vince Velasquez hype, and you know just just putting your marbles in his basket just isn't the way to go. <laughs> He'll kill you every time, man. Um, and that's that's just the main thing I took away from the weekend. Wheeler looked awesome. Didi Gregorius looked awesome. Bryce started getting going uh, by that third game. But um, that bullpen is going to kill us. What, how, did, how did you feel about the, the series this weekend? You say everybody buys into that, you know, Vince Velasquez hype. I've been saying since before last season began that there is no way a Phillies team can compete for a playoff spot with Velasquez, Nick Pavetta, and Zach Eflin in the rotation. You can maybe have one of them, but you can't have all three of them. And there's this thing that, you know, I always say it's, you know, definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting different results. Everybody's buying into this hype every year, but, I mean, let me, let me just give you numbers. Velasquez is not a kid anymore, you know. So Velasquez, the last three years, has been a regular starter in the rotation for the Phillies. And he's got a 491 ERA last year. He's got a 485 ERA the year before and a 517 ERA the year before that. Where, where's the, I mean, why do people keep buying into it? Eventually, these guys are who they say they are. Yeah. That's just not good pitchers. Yeah. And I, 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 I totally agree with you. They were maybe in the bullpen, but Pavetta, I mean, they are what they are. Yeah. And they've, they've been doing this for consecutive years now, man. You know what I mean? Not even one year. I mean, Eflin's been in the rotation since 2016. So, I mean, we haven't ever seen him do anything of any substance consistently. So why do you think after three games at the end of the one year or whatever that it's going to change? It's not. So, yeah. You know, you can you can talk all about you know the offense and JT Realmuto and Bryce Harper coming on. You know, you can talk about all that you want, but when you have those three guys on your rotation or bullpen. You're, you're setting yourself up for a 500 or below season, always. Yeah, and that's that's clearly what we saw on Sunday. I, I think that confirmed it. You know, I was a little sh- shooken by the first game. You know, Nola, he came out. He he wasn't you know terrible. He lasted five innings. He he wasn't Nola, that's for sure. You know what I mean? Um, but really, the you know the the hitting was the problem that game. I, <laughs> We couldn't, we couldn't buy a run, you know what I mean? Yeah, but there, there's another thing right there. So everybody's saying that they couldn't buy a run. 
But Sandy Alcantara, how do you? I, I'm awful with names. Sandy Alcantara. Alcantara. Yeah, how do you say his name? I think it's Alcantara or Alcantara. If you have me on this show more than once, you'll know I'll butcher a few names as I go. I'm, I'm awful <laughs> it's all good. It took me like 50 times to say Velasquez's name right, and that's not even a hard name. So in his career, it's about a year and a half career of regular starting. He's got five starts against the Phillies. He's got a 2-5-1 ERA against the Phillies. So he's, he's, and he made the all-star team last year, so he is no slouch. He's an ace for that team for a reason. So I'm not as upset about that. Yes, Nola, you know, he wasn't sharp. He was sharp in five innings. Yeah. That sixth inning got away from him. Yeah. But even that, he was probably pressing because he knew that the Phillies weren't going to get more than a run or two against, you know, Sandy. We'll say Sandy. Yeah. And that's exactly what happened. Well. So <laughs> I, I don't want to. I don't want to get upset about that night at all. I want to get upset about when the, the Sunday game because, you know, that, yeah. was, the, that was the problem there. And uh, so how do you how do you feel about Wheeler's performance? Because uh, he <laughs> he played really well on Saturday, man. But our uh, on Saturday night it was great to see. You know, right, man. It's it was nice to have a nice number two. I mean, I don't know if you noticed, I forget the exact number, but I think we've lost eight straight or nine straight NOLA starts dating back to last year. Yeah. And the problem last year was we didn't have a guy to stop that, you know, at that losing streak there. You got that in Zach Wheeler now. You paid him the big bucks, and he showed if, if NOLA has an off night, he's going to step up. He and can get us down, one back. Door down. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Because that's, that's the main thing I remember from last year was basically – you know, Nola has to win every single game that he plays or we're screwed. And and even if he does, we're probably still screwed with their, you know, the lineup that we have right now. Um, just looking at Sunday's game, you know, Vince Velasquez comes out of there, three innings pitched, a 12.0 ERA. And then you bring in Cole Irvin, right? And he lasted one inning, man, with a 36 ERA. It – it was disgusting, to say the least, you know. And then um, McLean comes in, gives up a, a what, a three-run shot, two-run shot on his first yeah. pitch. <laughs> so it was just – it was going d- downhill after that first, you know, Har- Harper-Homer. Um, but, yeah, looking at the Phillies, I mean, coming out of Sunday, what I concluded, and I'm sure you saw my tweets, I saw your tweets, um, you already knew that <laughs> – you knew better than – to expect something other than that out of those guys. Uh, I, I was one of those brainwashed Philly fans that, you know, just went all optimistic at the, you know, Joe Girardi, Brian Price, they'll get them right. You know what I mean? No. Um, Sometimes you are what you are. Yeah. And that's, that's what we found out Sunday, man. Got to stop, stop buying into it. So um, obviously the big news was, came on Monday, you know, uh, we were about to square off with the Yankees. That game ended up getting canceled. Uh, the Marlins and Orioles got canceled, the Miami home opener. Um, what is it now? I think it's 17 Marlins confirmed positive between the coaches and the players. Because I know four more came out today. So, yeah, as I was saying, you know, we were coming out of Monday, you know, with the big news. Uh, I think it was 17 confirmed cases for the Marlins uh, yep. between players and coaches because uh, four more came through today. <laughs> and it's just it, – it's it's gotten crazy. Um, my, my, my thinking about it is, you know, is it 
is it the Marlins that were just being, you know, super <laughs> not cautious, you know, not safe? Uh, were they being reckless? You know, a lot of people think they don't have much to play for. They think they're going to be at the bottom of the MLB. Um, or is it just the, you know, the the standards that the MLB has in place to face this COVID virus? You know what I mean? Um, we've talked about it. Uh, they they should have definitely, you know, looked into some type of bubble system similar to the NBA or MLB. Um, how do you feel about that, man? I, it's it's pretty well, grim. I don't, I don't know if you saw. There's a tweet later tonight, like maybe an hour or two before we started this episode, that uh, I think it was Bob Nightingale. I'm yeah. not sure if it was him or somebody else tweeted that uh, they were, uh, you know, right before uh, the season started, the last scrimmage game they had was in Atlanta, and they got caught in a strip club in Atlanta. No lie, just like Lou Williams. Yeah. So they were out partying. They weren't taking it seriously. Um, you know, with all these sports – you look at the ones that are taking it seriously, that have real plans, they're succeeding. NBA, NHL, zero cases in the last three, four weeks. All their tests are negative. Baseball, not taking it as seriously. And when you have a team that's in Miami, and I don't get political or anything like that on anything I'm ever on, yeah. but they're in a hotbed. Yeah. Yeah. So Miami's one of the hottest you know, COVID areas there in the entire country. And first off, just letting them play in Miami, period, is a – is a problem. Yeah. Let alone the players not taking it seriously. And and it's a real big issue right there. Yeah, I agree, man. Um, that's, that's, and it's funny that you bring that up. I, I did not know that they were actually out partying, you know, in now, Miami. There's two or three sources tweeted it out. Um, I think it was Nightingale was one of them. Um, but two or three of like the main guys in baseball were tweeting out that story that there's pictures of, you know, several of them, including Rojas, who's, you know, the guy that wanted them to play on Sunday, even though that they had the outbreak starting and all, was one of the people photographed in the strip club. Yeah. And I don't know what's going yeah. on in these Atlanta strip clubs. I mean, first Lou Williams, now half the Miami Marlins team, you know, something going on there. <laughs> something in the water, man. I, I have no idea. Um, but, yeah, that's that's kind of what – it's funny that you said that because that's kind of what I was getting at. Um, obviously, the MLB's plan isn't good enough. But, you know, you're not seeing so many outbreaks, you know, all over, over all over the league. Um, we'll wait and see if any Phillies, you know, there's that, what, five-day incubation period or something with the virus. Um, so they'll keep getting tested all the way up until Friday. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm, I'm in this I, – I just think the Marlins, you know, they had to be some sort of reckless – you know, between the, now you say the Atlanta thing and, you know, coming out of the hotbed of Florida, who has, I, I believe, the most cases in the United States right now. I think they just surpassed New York. Um, you know, it, you just wonder how reckless they're being. You know, they, they, they came into the season with not a very hopeful season. I'm sure everybody's a little hopeful with a shortened season. That that gives your odds a, a lot better chance. But um yeah, I, I was I was just really disappointed. I, I actually wanted to see us match up against the Yankees, uh, just to kind of see where the team was really at, you know. Because usually, something about Philadelphia teams they like to play up and down to their competition. Uh, I don't know how that Arietta start would have went, but uh, we would have got Nola. We might not know because now they're saying that if they play on Friday, Nola might take his start yeah. in the rotation. Yeah, and he might skip that Arietta and Eflin start. So. You know, I'd be, we're not going to know till you know, two weeks into the season how Ariadne is going to do. Yeah, and uh, 
I can only imagine what we're going to get out of him, man. <laughs> well, all I'll say is because I, I got two things. I went to spring training in February before yeah. the whole outbreak started, and I went to Arietta's first start. And in that game that I went to, Arietta looked great. Yeah. He pitched really well in that game. And McLean, who gave up that big home run in the game the other night, you know, he, I was like, I don't even know who this guy is. He looked he a lot like different. That's so why I can't take into account, you know, those spring training games all the time. But, yeah. you know. The big thing with Arietta, you know, has been his health. You know, he's been he's been injured the last few years since he got here, and he, yeah. he just hasn't looked himself, you know, and definitely not living up to the contract. But Absolutely. you know, I, I thought this year was going to be his year before the whole outbreak because players love contract years, and he's right. he's a free agent. He you know he's young enough. I think he's thirty three or thirty four at this point yeah. to get as a pitcher one more two or three year deal. You look at uh, Jay Happ got with the Yankees like a 37 38 million dollar two-year deal at 36 right so, you know I'm, I'm sure Arietta wanted one more deal like that and this was going to be his year to prove it so that's why I was I was hyping up Jake Arietta this year before the whole outbreak and the shutdown so I, so I, would I'm you sure say would you say he's your your number three guy well based off of how Velasquez pitched <laughs> in game three he's gotta be <laughs> it can only go I mean, up from there fans. man I mean, Spencer Howard's the guy I want in the rotation right from the get-go. He's got, you know, stud written all over him. Yeah. Everybody's raving about him and Baum, especially with this designated hitter in the NL now. Pitched in that that spring training game that I went to also. I mean, he was – I mean, it was just amazing to to watch him at his age. I mean, he's got talent. Him and Alec Baum, I mean, they both have an amazing amount of talent coming out of them. What would you say you – like, how do I word this – what do you expect out of Spencer Howard, you know, once he once they finally bring him up? Because it should only be a matter of time. Yeah, I mean, they're saying that, you know, sometime by the end of, you know, sometime next week he's going to be brought up because that's how the service time's working out with the shortened season and all. Yeah. Um, which, I, you know, it's a topic for another episode. I hate the service time, you know, <laughs> rules and stuff like that. I hate yeah. So much. So stupid. Um, originally, at the start of the year, I was thinking that he could play a role like, um, I'm losing the train of thought there on that, that uh, Clayton Kershaw and David Price played in their rookie year. They were starting some games and they were playing long relief out of the bullpen and they did well. I mean, if you remember, I mean, you're a young guy, but the 08 World Series, you know, Price came out of the bullpen and shut the Phillies down a couple times. And then the next year went into his, you know, first year as a starter. And that's what I thought Spencer Howard was going to do this year. Um, but now with, you know, how awful the starting rotation is, you just got to throw him in here yeah. right now. It's a short season. You're not going to worry about innings on his arm because what's he going to get? Eight, ten starts, maybe. Exactly. So just throw him out there. He's not going to have any, you know, over workload on his arm, and just let him learn because we're not a World Series contender at this point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I and I think this weekend, you know, truly shows you that at this point, the best move is going to be to develop some guys. You know, some guys worth developing. You know, we spent all these years trying to develop guys like Velasquez and. Sometimes you just got to throw the towel in. <laughs> I, I got this whole thing I'm going to start on Twitter at some point soon. It's, you know, admitting your biggest mistakes, you know, that you've said. And one of my biggest mistakes is when they were talking about trading Ken Giles to Houston, The first, I'm a big fantasy baseball guy, and I love, like, the uh, dynasty leagues and all. Yeah. I had Vincent Velasquez from the time he was in single A stashed as a guy I wanted. And I, I'm like, if the Phillies are trading with – Houston, I want Vincent Velasquez so bad. 
And then he had that game his rookie year or his first year in Philly against San Diego. I'm like, yes, it's what I wanted. <laughs> and that, he hasn't pitched well since that game. And that, <laughs> it's funny because well, you're like a you're like an advocate against him now because he like stabbed you I, in the back. He, he proved me wrong, you know. I don't mind admitting when I'm wrong. Yeah. I'm wrong all the time. You know, I, I'm I'm open about that and all. So you know. Yeah, we can't like, control these guys' one of my destiny. Mistakes. <laughs> All right, man. So obviously, you know, it's a very bleak look coming out of that series against the Marlins. Um, I guess we'll see how they look against the uh, Blue Jays on Friday. Uh, it should be a, you know, a decent test. Hopefully, hopefully they can actually play. That's that's kind of where I'm at. But, you know, if it's risky, if they if they have obtained the virus, then you, you just can't risk it, man. That's it's not worth it. But um. Let's talk about some Sixers. You know, it was just some scrimmages over the weekend. Uh, nothing serious, of course. I was I was wondering going into the weekend, you know, how much playing time Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid would actually get, uh, even Tobias Harris, but uh, especially Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, you know, with them coming off injuries already this season and, you know, just getting back healthy right before they started up the bubble. Um, Sixers look good, you know, both – both nights over the weekend, I mean, on Sunday, obviously, they blew that that big 20-point lead, uh, which just took me <laughs> – it gave me, like, you know, back uh, – you know, flashbacks of, of stuff earlier in the season, man, just not being able to finish games. Um, but they, they did get the win against the Grizzlies. Uh, I'm not sure how they're looking tonight. We haven't been able to check in on that in a while. Um yeah, so, you know, as far as the, the NBA bubble, as we were talking about earlier, same with the NHL bubble. Uh, the NHL actually was able to confirm that there's no positive cases out of all the players inside the bubble. Um, I'm not sure. I, I haven't heard any cases. I know the NBA is quarantining anybody that leaves, but I haven't heard any positive cases since, I, I think, like Russell Westbrook. Yeah, in the last three weeks, there has been zero cases. Now, that doesn't date back to before that and all. Right. But in the last three weeks, there's been zero cases in the NBA bubble to go along with zero in the NHL bubble. So right. the bubbles work if the players take it seriously. Right. So, I mean, look at Lou Williams. I mean, he left the <laughs> bubble. You know, he had a good reason. Yeah. But then he went to, you know, some Atlanta strip club yeah. for some chicken wings. Magic and, City. You know? But then, you know, he has to pay the price. He's got to stay in his hotel room for 10 days now. Yeah. You know, so they're taking it seriously. And, it, and they're doing that's it to everybody. I, yeah, and that and that's where these other, you know, the NBA, or the NFL and the NBA, MLB aren't taking it seriously. You know, they're not creating a bubble, and we can get into it later. But, you know, the NBA, I saw a tweet out earlier tonight. Uh, Michelle Roberts, the NBA uh, PA uh, executive director, yeah. is already working on plans for next season if – there's not a vaccine, and they have to create a bubble for all 30 teams for an entire season. They're already now, before this season's underway officially, planning next season's bubble. So I talk about it all the time, the NFL's shield. They want their image to look good. <laughs> the NFL and the Major League Baseball don't look good in this with how no. baseball or basketball and hockey are looking, you know? No. Yeah, They. I mean, you know, the NFL, you had to wonder – if they were taking any precautions, because we had heard zero things, and obviously they don't have to tell us, but generally that stuff gets put out to the public. Like you said, to give you a good image, you should be taking precautions and safety measures at times like these. 
And, you know, a lot of the players that, you know, right before they came to an agreement with the Players Association, there was a lot of players, you know, saying that they haven't been communicated any plans. So it's like, what did they do? Come up with a plan <laughs> over a week, you know what I mean? And obviously it's it's not that good because you have NFL players opting out. So, which a ton of players, you know, opted out today. The Patriots, I lost, I, I think lost like six players from the last time I looked. Um, you know, and then of course, Marquise Goodwin, all reasonable, you know, reasonable reasons for them to opt out of this especially if it's risky football is the most risky sport out of them all, you know, with the amount of touching and and physicality that they have in that sport. Um, But like you said, we'll get into that later. That's going to be at the end of the show. (laughs) I I, I tend to throw people off. No, no, man. Cause we could go right into that. You know what I mean? Once this mind starts cranking, I I just can't stop. You know, (laughs) I love it, dude. Um, you, you talked about the scrimmage games tonight. Just, you know, I, before we got started, I watched the first half. The Sixers were shooting ice cold. Yeah. They were 15 of 57 from the field in the first half. Um, they weren't playing great defense. I mean, the, the, you know, the Mavericks are a high-scoring offense with Don Chicks and right. Przingis. Right. And now the new all-of-a-sudden star Trey Burke is on the <laughs> Mavericks. I didn't even know that. Um, he was taking this like an MVP caliber game and all. Uh, but they were they held them about 50 points in the first half. So their defense was there. They were just stone cold yeah. shooting. You know, it, it, they were bricking everything that they took, um, you know. But, you know, as a whole, I think the Sixers team, first off, defensively, yeah. was great in three games. Yeah. Um, you were saying about the last game on Sunday that they didn't look good. But um, when they lost that lead, they were running, you know, uh, Shayok, they're running play. Right. No, they had none of their regular guys that are going to be in their playoff rotation. And it's not worth it, um, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, Mike Scott, I mean, is pretty much out of the rotation <laughs> at this point. Sucks for the Scott Hive, you know, or whatever, the Hive or whatever they're called. But, you know, that's who, was, that's who lost the lead. Right. So I'm not worried about that. The first half of that game, they looked great. Because that's – and, you know, you can't put too much into a scrimmage, period. You know, um because it came out on, what, Sunday that Joel Embiid wasn't going to be playing, you know, with some calf tightness. Uh, I saw people on Twitter, you, you know, wondering if it's the same old, same old. You just have to look at it for what it is. And the guy is, what, 7-2 or, you know, 7-1 and some change, something like that. He's a big guy to be out there just running around for no reason. It's not worth the risk. You know what I mean? Going into this eight-game bubble, it's not worth the risk to lose your, you know, your go-to guy. Um, of course, Ben Simmons is out there getting comfortable. Uh, they're trying that whole thing with starting Shake, giving him some, uh, you know, ball handling responsibilities. I uh, really like Shake as a scorer. He brings a, a nice spark to that offense, something a little bit different from everybody else. You know, uh, I know they like to bring in Cork Moss sometimes, Alden Burks. Uh, I haven't seen – do you know if Glenn Robinson has been getting any playing time? Uh, Glenn Robinson's actually been getting more of the – Initial minutes off the bench than out first. Yeah. Um, I, I've been talking to a couple people um, that cover the team, and they say that so normally when you're in the playoffs, you've got an eight man rotation. You know, right. Trying to trim that rotation down. The Sixers are deep enough to go 10. And one of the odd men out might be Alex Burks. Alex Burks is what I'm hearing through some insiders and stuff like that. Right. I'm not sure why. I would rather you go 10 or 11 deep and keep them deep healthy and fresh for like the finals or the right. Eastern Conference finals or whatever. Um, 
but from what I'm hearing is, uh, you know, Glenn Robinson's got the advantage over Burks because of what he does on defense, um, you know, to be part of the more, you know, top eight or nine in that rotation. Right. Because I think, you know, that's going to be the backbone of the, of the Sixers in this playoff run is the defense. You know, you got a, a defensive player of the year caliber guy in Ben Simmons that can just play all over. Should be the defensive yeah, player of the year, not yeah. could be, should be. Yeah, should be. <laughs> Thank you for correcting me, man. Um, you even brought in, uh, you know, Al Horford for those same, you know, type of responsibilities kind of to relieve and beat of some defensive, you know, even just fouls, you know, just to come in and get some fouls. Um, how are you feeling as far as the Sixers? A lot, a lot of people are saying they're underdogs. I mean, I get it. I get it, you know, because they're at the sixth seed right now. Um, I could see them moving possibly up to the fifth or fourth seed. Um, how do you feel about them going into the playoffs? You know, are they real contenders? Do you believe that? Um, and then who would you rather play in the first round? Would you rather play the Celtics, you know, the Heat, the Pacers, if that's possible? So there, I, I'm not worried about the seed going in because we're playing at a neutral court. Right. Okay? Um, so I want everybody healthy and playing well together. So those eight playing games are meaningless. Like some people are saying they're six and two going to be a year, five and three in those games. I don't care what their record is. I want to see them play well and come out of it healthy and in game shape. Exactly. Because I think yeah. on a neutral court, I mean, I'm not trying to sound Homer here. But if they're healthy and on a neutral court, the Sixers match up with every single team in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. I don't think they match up well against the Lakers and the Clippers necessarily in a best of seven. But, I mean, we can, we can play against the, the Bucks. We can yeah. play against the Celtics. Yeah. You know, the Pacers. I mean, you know, I don't know what old De- – I haven't watched Old Depot, how he looks since he said he's back into the bubble yeah. or not. You know, they don't scare me a great deal. I mean, they're all good teams, but the Sixers are too. Right. Um, ben Simmons playing the four. He looks really good there. Um, he took a couple three-point shots. And, you know, he. I saw an article saying that he saw a sports psychiatrist, you know, on getting over those yips and stuff like that. You know, if Embiid is healthy, if Simmons is playing peak performance at that point forward, yeah. shape, or if uh, you know, Shake Milton is shooting well, I, I, don't, I don't see why they're not. One of the you know people that nobody should want to play the Sixers on the neutral. Yeah, team. exactly. You know, no way. Nobody, because you know the the and the biggest thing is just that Joel Embiid matchup. Man, he's a nightmare for anybody in the East. You know, people talk about Bam Adebayo on on the Heat and stuff. Get that, get that out of here. Yeah, <laughs> he can't. He can't. They were playing zone that game. He put up good numbers against, you know, and had nothing to do with me. He was, he was out there in the zone. And it had nothing to do with and that's And that's the other thing, you know, with Jimmy Butler being their main source of offense, being their, you know, their ball handler, their go-to guy. We have, you know, probably two or three guys that can guard him, you know, between Feibel, Ben Simmons, uh, you know, any of those other guys that are coming off the bench, expendables. We got a couple guys that can – could take some time against Jimmy Butler, you know, and, and get him out of his game. I love Thibault as a defender. Josh Richardson is the guy that I was thinking about as the third guy that could possibly He's one of the most underrated him. or underappreciated guys on the team, Richardson. You know, he, yeah. I'm watching it. You know, I've watched some of all the games, and they're really trying to drill in this uh, Ben Simmons at the four spot. And there was a couple points when, uh, you know, when Shake Milton got pulled from the game, you know, to sit on the bench. And 
Ben wasn't the point guard. Jay Richardson was doing that, you know, Jimmy Butler, you know, right. you know point guard right. spot and all. And I love that because that's that's helping Ben Simmons get used to that, you know, four spot. And that helps open up the, 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 the court for, ben, you know, Joan Deeb to do what he has to do and exactly. go down low, you know. So, and that's and that's the thing, you know, putting Ben Simmons at that four, that point forward, it gives him the opportunity to get more rebounds and push the ball too. When he, you know, because he he loves getting out in open court. That's probably when he's at his best when he can push the ball up, you know, and get an easy layup or a dunk. I think it was Sunday. I mean, even as the power forward, he, he nearly had a triple double. Right. He had like fourteen points, eleven assists, or twelve assists, nine rebounds. You know, I mean, as a point forward you could still do that so you know i'm not worried about him playing the power forward i think it's a great spot for him it helps defensively yeah you know he just needs to with no fans there get over the you know the shooting issue and and play that stretch four and we you've seen the videos yeah he can shoot and practice and pick up games so why can't he down there yeah and you know part of it i i think even right now this is like perfect for him you know to get used to shooting because there's no fans there, you know what I mean. There's no pressure. There, well, not as much pressure, I should say. But um, it's a glorified pickup game, basically. Yeah, exactly. You or know, he more, can just or a do this thing. Intense summer league. Exactly, exactly. So I think this is all, you know, just good time to, you know, get the chemistry right. Uh, allow Ben Simmons to kind of find himself in that stretch four role. Uh, it'll be nice to. You know, I, 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 it's going to be nice to see him be back out there. You you always worry a little bit, but I, I feel like it's obvious what they're doing. These are summer, you know, like you said, glorified summer league games that don't mean yeah. anything. I, I even count the the eight seeding games as they're calling it as glorified preseason games. It's all like I said, there's it's position or not position. It's um it's seeding list. You know, basketball yeah. at this point, there's no home court advantage. You know, you don't have to worry about that stuff. You know, I just want the team to be clicking on all cylinders and be healthy going into that playoff run. Because that's a that's a situation, you know, where the best team is going to win. You know what I mean? It's not there's no like like we dealt with all, you know, the first half of the season with, you know, the Sixers playing beautifully at home and then just stinking it up on the road. We don't have to worry about that now. You know what I mean? So uh, I, I agree with you. I think. You know, we should be the number two team in the East as far as, you know, contending-wise. Obviously, the Toronto Raptors play really good as a team. But the thing it, it always comes down to, you know, just having that go-to guy in Embiid. And then you got guys that can, you know, drop 20 a, a night. And that's what they're going to need from Tobias Harris. You know, he's going to have to step up and hit shots. He uh, He's so, so he's so streaky. I, I, I love him, you know, on the team. He, the what he brings to the team when he's hot, when he's good, is exactly what they need. It's just that he's so inconsistent sometimes, man. Honestly, if you take out that first stretch of the year where he was like 0 for 1,800 on shooting threes, <laughs> you take that out, he's had a really, really good season. And I, I, I got bashed for it, and I got praised for it on two different you know sides of the equation yeah. at the beginning of the season. I called him this team's Chris Bosh with the big three. The guy that's that quiet leader in the locker room. He takes the rookies under his, you know, shows them how to be a pro. Um, he knows his role. If they need him to get points, he does. Um, his numbers are going to go down from what they were or what they could potentially have been on a, where he was the main go-to guy. Right. But the guy who knows his role, he's the third star on the team. He's the third max guy. And this team will only go as far as, as, as he lets, lets them go. Yeah. If he can shoot a good percentage from three, 
You know, his defense has gotten so much better than last year, and nobody talks about that. He's right. still not an all-pro defender, but he's really holding his own. And the key is that Al Horford's not starting anymore next to him, so he's a better defender at the four than he is defender at the three. Right. So he, the, the matchups are different now, and you know, Ben Simmons is playing the four, but he's not defending the four all the time. He's defending the best player on the court. That gives Al, you know, or, um, Bryce Harris the opportunity to guard the next person. And, and, right. and that way he's not out there getting exposed, you know what I mean? And uh, to your point, you know, just having Al Horford off the bench, I think that is what we always needed. Um, I think we just didn't know that at the beginning of the season. I mean, obviously optic, yeah, optics, you know, looking looking outside in, If unless you're being totally optimistic and biased, it's not a good look to, you know, have two centers on the court at one time in this day and age in the NBA, you know what I mean? Because um, even even on the Bucks, you know, they, they say they brought in Horford, you know, just for fouls and to guard Giannis, but – when you have Embiid out there, either or, if he's guarding Giannis or if he's guarding Brooke Lopez, Brooke Lopez stands at the three-point line, you know what I mean? So there's no point in having a, a bigger guy in there to guard him, you know what I mean? Uh, he, he loves to just hover out there at the three-point line for a seven-foot guy. But, um, yeah, I think I think they're the second scariest team. would not have survived. You know, I'm, I'm an older guy, and I always I get bashed on, my, on all about the birds all the time because I'm – 10, 12 years older than my co-host and yeah. stuff like that. So I'm used to, like, late 80s basketball. These guys would never survive sitting out that three-point line back then. You know, going against the Bulls and the, yeah. the Pistons back then. And they, they, wouldn't have, they wouldn't have made it. That's you know? not your space, you know what I mean? They're move- <laughs> You're supposed to be down low, you know? <laughs> Moving so slow, man. But uh, we'll leave that at that. The Sixers, you know, second scariest team in, in, in the Eastern Conference. Uh, definitely a team to watch out for. I think people are sleeping on them. Um, to call them, you know, under, you know, you know, the underdog, the under, underrated team, I, I think is a little ridiculous. They probably got the most star power in the Eastern Conference. You know what I mean? Between the two stars that they have. Um, okay, so now we're going to dig into this Jamal Adams trade. Uh, you know the details, but my listeners may not. Um, the New York Jets get two first round picks, a third round pick, and the safety McDougal. McDougal? Name McDougal? McDougal? Well, that's what we said on our podcast last night. <laughs> Again, you're talking to the guy that can't pronounce anybody's name, you know? <laughs> so they got a safety in McDougal, you know, I guess to fill that spot that Jamal Adams is leaving. Um, and then the Seahawks get, of course, Jamal Adams in a fourth round pick. Um, who do you think won that trade? I wasn't able to listen to that portion of the podcast. Who do you think won that trade? And it was uh, the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Not that I'm a Jets fan, but that's their champ. And they just they just smoked that trade. Yeah, man. Joe Douglas, former Eagles assistant GM or whatever his title was here, he fleeced Seattle. Now, Seattle this year now is the front runner for the best defense in the league. Yeah. Um, but big picture – getting two first-round picks when you know that that guy wants out of the city, I mean, that's highway robbery yeah. right there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and just on, on the McDougal point, I don't even, I couldn't have told you who he was. No. Uh, I, I don't know. But my co-host, Johnny Lecca, who's uh, he's a big Seattle Mariners fan, so I guess he follows the Seahawks. Too, okay. Um, said 
that he's a really good young up-and-coming safety that the Jets, I mean, he's nowhere near the Jamal Adams. Right. But some of the guys, I mean, he would feel more comfortable with him next to, in the, in the Eagles, uh, you know, safety, you know, room than the, the, you know, the guys that are running out there right now, the Will right. Marks, the, you know, the, you know, the Green Goblin, you know, the guys that, that we don't know. He's better than them. Yeah. So he's got potential to be a really great safety. But the Jets just, they, I mean, they, they won that hands down. Yeah, man. I don't even care about the third rounder. Two first rounders. I mean, it's it's a steal. That's yeah. That's already enough right there. That and and what's funny is you know when the, all these rumors came out about Jamal Adams, you know, of course every player that becomes available gets attached to the Eagles. Um, so then we had our fan base, you know, coming out with these hypothetical trades. I saw something like a first round pick in JJ. <laughs> Or a first-round pick in Sidney Jones or some shit. I saw a lot of Zach Ertz trades for him. Yeah, I did see those. So that's a little bit more realistic, but why would you do it? You know what I mean? Why would you take that away from from Wentz? That's his blanket. But, um, you know, Jamal, two first-round picks, a third-round pick, and then you throw in a safety that can, you know, basically fill the role. He's basically going to start from day one. Yeah. McDougal, so. And, and you know, they, they made out like a bandit. Like you said, Seahawks now have one of the top defenses in the NFL with, you know, just between Bobby Wagner and Jamal Adams leading that defense. Absolutely. Those are two, you know, top three guys at their positions. Um, do you think the Seattle Seahawks are, you know, legit contenders now? Do you, do you think they can oh, do absolutely. it? Absolutely. I mean, before the trade, I thought they were yeah. legit contenders. I mean, I'm a big, I'm a big, you know, Seattle fan. I love Russell Westbrook. He's one of the few quarterbacks I rank ahead of, you know, Carson Wentz always. Right. Um, I, I love what their organization does. And I love how they run their organization. They're not afraid to move on from players, but they're also not afraid to go for the home run. Right. All right. So they, they still got Jamal Adams is still under contract for two years. Um, they have issues in the future with salary cap, but they're in win mode right now. Win now mode with, uh, you know, Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll. They're getting up there in ages and stuff like that. Right. Um, that makes them one of the two or three top teams in the, you know, NFC for sure. Um, right there with San Francisco for the division. It's going to be a dog race between them. And, I mean, I don't think I can name too many teams that are ahead of them in the NFC. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, a lot of people think uh, San Fran, you know, kind of took a step back even. I, I find San Fran a little overrated. I find Jimmy Garoppolo a little overrated. Um, they're a really good franchise, and they're probably a step ahead of the Eagles at this point. Yeah. But the fact that people put them so far ahead of everybody, I, I, I don't buy that as much. At yeah. All. But Seattle, I, I think Seattle now with Jamal Adams is the clear favorite to win the the West. Yeah. And they're right up there with San Fran. You know, everybody loves Tampa. Everybody loves New Orleans, you know, right there with them and the Eagles. Cause I, I still believe not as a homer, the Eagles are one of the top six teams in the NFC. Yeah, so. I agree, man. I'm not a, and, and I'm not one of those people. I'm not really high on the Buccaneers just yet. I, I got to see them play before I can, you know, hop on that. I agree with that. A lot of people are throwing them in their top five teams. I think that's, you know, completely ridiculous. Um, I get it, you know, Tom Brady and Gronk, and then you, you already had those two stud wide receivers down there with, uh, well, even O.J. Howard, I believe his name is, the tight end, uh, another Howard, stud. Cameron Brate, and now you had Gronkowski. You've got three, the, probably the best threesome of ta- tight ends in the league. Yeah. So who has three tight ends? So one of those guys <laughs> is going to get moved at some point. So. Yeah, exactly, exactly. What's the point? But, um, 
Yeah, I, I agree with you. Seattle's right up there at the top of the NFC. Anytime you have Russell Wilson um, and you have at least one guy that's decent on the outside to, to pair with him, you're going to be in good shape. They actually have, you know, two decent running backs and two pretty good uh, wide receivers. So, I mean, I think they're in pretty good shape. Like you said, they always are willing to take the, you know, go for the home run. Even last year, you know, swinging for Jadavian Clowney, even as a one-year rental. Um, Which I could actually see. I mean, I know he's been attached to 17 teams right. that he was potentially signing with. Uh, but now that they're a front runner for the NFC title, why not? He's going to sign a one year deal somewhere. No one's going to give him the big deal he wanted. Exactly. I can see him going back to Seattle for that one year prove it deal. Exactly. You know, because they, they're, they're a front runner. When a, when a Super Bowl? On the Adams deal. Would you have done the same deal if you were the Eagles GM? Would you have matched that deal? No, I, I wouldn't have. Um... As good as Jamal Adams is, and, and I think he's, you know, maybe the best safety in the league at this point, maybe. Um, yeah. I just think that position is not worth that capital, if that makes sense. If I, you know, if I knew that he was going to turn into this Brian Dawkins-esque guy on our, on our defense and that type of leader, you know, maybe, maybe. But you just never know, and giving up two firsts, and a third rounder, man. You know, we need those. We need those picks in the situation that we're in. We don't. We don't need to trade three picks, you know, to to give a guy twenty million, fifteen million a year uh, in a multi multi year deal. Because now the Seahawks, you know, are they going to extend them? You just put all that capital into them. You better extend them. You but have to extend them. At you look point. at you look at a guy like Ramsey, who the Rams traded what two first round picks for, and they still don't have a deal done with him. So it's, uh, you know, similar situations. I think the Seahawks are smart enough to get that deal done. They, they have to after giving up all that. Um, I heard a, a couple guys say, you know, the Seahawks are, are basically going for it in these next two years. You know, who knows when Pete Carroll is going to be done. You know, Russell Wilson. I think Russell Wilson still has <laughs> – the way these quarterbacks last, he has a solid five or six years left, I think. <laughs> He, he's smart. He knows how to not take the hit. I love Russell Wilson. I've talked about it a hundred times on multiple different platforms. I'm a big Russell yeah. Wilson guy. So. And like you said, he's one of the only guys, you know, him and, and Mahomes consistently that I would take over Wentz, um, which that'll kind of lead us into our next segment. You know, uh, Wentz left off the top 100. Obviously, it's voted by the players. It was a miserable list, you know what I mean? It was it was completely miserable to see. Oh, um, because even the Eagles players that did make the list were not as high as they should be. You know, Brandon Brandon Brooks is the best guard in, in football. And he's 98, so you don't value the guard position then, right? But then we'll, I'm sure we'll see a couple guards in front of him on the list. And then you got Jason Kelsey, who's, you know, arguably the best center, if not, you know, undoubtedly. And he's at what? I think it was like 92 or 93, something like that, 94, in that range of ridiculousness. You know, do you not value the center position then? And then uh, we had Fletcher Cox on there at 73. Ertz was 86 or 85, I think. And um, who was the other guy? Do you remember who the other one was? Darius Slay was Darius in the Slay. low 90s, too. Yeah. But you had somebody like Logan Ryan, who isn't on a team right now, in like the 70s. And Marcus Lattimore, who's, you know, you're ahead of him. You know, Darius Slay, and, and it, it kind of swings back to the 
the Jamal Adams trade, Jamal Adams trade, what they gave up for Jamal Adams compared to what we had to barely give up to get to slay. A third and a fifth. Yet he can't crack the top 80. He can't tra- crack the top 70. He's probably one of the three or four best quarterbacks in yeah. football. Yeah. And he's so far up that list. It, it's, it's awful. The one that, like, truly disgusted me as far as, you know, not seeing Wentz on the – not seeing Wentz on the list is literally absolutely ridiculous. Lane Johnson not on the list, ridiculous. You know what I mean? In in my eyes, these guys are top 20 guys, top 20, 30 guys, you know what I mean, in the NFL. And uh, you can't even say that you don't value Wentz. He's the quarterback, you know what I mean? He threw for 4,000 yards last year. Um, the one that really the bothered me. squad as a wide receiver and running back, you know? <laughs> exactly. The one that really bothered me, man, was Todd Gurley at 51. I thought that was ridiculous, dude. Like he didn't, he didn't he's not even trusted by his team. Exactly. Exactly. Because you know, he's friends with all these guys throughout the league. You know, he shows up on these guys' shows, podcasts, all that stuff. He's a very friendly guy, he's a cool guy. But that doesn't mean you're a top one hundred player in the league, man. A top fifty one player. A top fifty one. Fifty-one. So just some other some other notables that made it over Wentz. They had our guy Jimmy G at forty-three. They had Josh Allen at eighty-seven. <laughs> they had Kyler at ninety. Dak at forty-six, who lost the division to us with two one thousand yard receivers and Zeke. <laughs> they had Tannehill at fifty-eight and Kirk Cousins at sixty-eight. Uh, I haven't seen the latest ones that got released today, but um, I mean, all those guys, you know, at least Dak has numbers. Like, at least he has, like, great numbers. I know it didn't Dak translate. Is a, Dak is a great fantasy quarterback. Yeah, exactly. You know, so that's mobile. part of that there. So, I, I mean, I don't agree that he's ahead of Wentz, but I agree he's in that top list. Yeah. Um, because he puts up stats. And we'll see this year whether it was Garrett or Dak that was the problem in Dallas. Right. One that annoyed me the most was Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. I mean, we broke it down on our show last night, and I, I don't have the numbers up in front of me right now. Oh, I got them right here if you want. One, <laughs> what's that? I got them right here if you want to hear them real quick. If you compare Ryan Tannehill's stats over his career to Carson Wentz, there's not one category, except for interceptions per game, that he's ahead of or has higher numbers than Carson I don't get it. Even last season, you know, that has to be some type of recency bias with him, Jimmy G. You know, I thought Dan Orlovsky explained it well today. I saw his little clip from uh, Get Up in the Morning. Um, Basically, you know, saying that people just like things that are new. You know what I mean? Like Kyler Murray. In what world is Kyler Murray a better player than Carson Wentz? That's ridiculous. Josh Allen, you know. ranking him as an MVP candidate. I don't. Him and Josh Allen are like dark horse MVP candidates. I don't get it. I mean, I'm looking at you know, I'm looking at Wentz's numbers right next to Josh Allen's, even next to Jimmy Garoppolo's, Kyler's. You know, Dak is the only one that arguably has better numbers, just more yards, more touchdowns, also more interceptions. Um, But Tannehill, you know, 2,742 yards last season, 22 touchdowns, six interceptions, right? But he's playing with Derrick Henry in his backfield. You know what I mean? <laughs> so uh, 
you know, and, and by his stats, you just you see it right away that he was a game manager. Like that's what he was last year with I mean, a good defense, like a great running back. Where he like threw the ball like ten times or something. Like yeah. That. <laughs> so he was not carrying that team. Derrick Henry was carrying that team. It's so ridiculous, man. Um, you know, Kirk Cousins. He had similar n- numbers to Wentz. Wentz had more touchdowns, uh, more more passing yards. Wentz had more passing yards, more touchdowns, less interceptions than Josh Allen. Uh, he had the same amount of touchdowns, more passing yards, less interceptions than Jimmy Garoppolo. Obviously, they're giving Jimmy G that for making it to the Super Bowl. Um, I'm okay with that. And, and, and that's fine. It's just like a top 50 player. You know what I mean? <laughs> he got $150 million or whatever it was with, what, six games started in, under his belt? I mean – the Jimmy G hype, he's a really good quarterback. There's a lot of bad quarterback play in this league right now yeah. compared to the last 20, 25 years of football I've been watching. Yeah. But 20, 25 years ago, Jimmy G would not be a starting quarterback in the NFL. Exactly. Or if he was, it would be on a you know a two and twelve or two and fourteen team, you know? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Matthew Stafford's not on this list. He puts up numbers just like that. And you know what? That just proves that it's the popularity contest yeah. and not yeah. the, you know, real what's going on on the field. Exactly. Know? Because if you look at last season and you think that Wentz, you know, isn't a top 100 court, uh, or one hundred player, the quarterback position is always valued higher than a lot of positions. So Absolutely. for him to be off the list, that's even more of a slap in the face. You know what I mean? To win his division with those third and fourth string wide receivers, you know, you had your J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, Deontay Burnett, uh, what, Robert Davis out there. Like, these guys. Everybody's favorite Greg Ward, who I've trashed, because Greg Ward actually, if you look at his numbers, did nothing last year. He had one game with a touchdown. He had one touchdown. But everybody loves Greg Ward. That Redskins game, man. (laughs) Whatever, you know, it's all good. The thing about Greg Ward is that he seems to have found his niche in the game. But the thing about this year is, you know, with all these new weapons that are coming in, they're going to be looking for new spots to put Zach Ertz, you know, out of that slot, you know, have him hinge out. You're going to put Goddard down at the line. You know, you can even split him out sometimes. And um, that's kind of where Greg Ward's niche is. He's a slot He's a slot guy, quick through the middle, you know. No, he doesn't have any outstanding skill sets. They're all just about, you know, a little average or below average. Um, Honestly, be- before uh, Marquise Goodwin dropped opted out today, I would I would have told you that Greg Ward was not a lock to make. The- he was not a lock to. Make no, the- no, and um, it depends how much you know you value. I guess I think John Hightower was a pretty good draft pick. How much do you value? You know, Quez Watkins, John Hightower, those type of guys. Um, I actually do. I like John Hightower a lot. I think he brings a dynamic skill set to the to the team. I don't know a ton about Quez Watkins. I know he brings speed, you know, just like the other guys. Um, he's a he's a promising guy, you know. He has potential, but you know, I don't I don't know if he was a lock to, t- to make the team either. Depends how many wide receivers you're keeping. Uh, you know, you got Alshon on the PUP list now, but um, yeah, I mean, Marquise Goodwin, you know, leaving that basically kind of slides Greg Ward in there. Because uh, it, it would just come down to probably him or Quez Watkins, I would imagine. And uh, I think you got to go Ward there. Yeah. But, um, 
Yeah, man. I don't I don't know. <laughs> uh, so we're going to finish up one last question for you. Um, with all this stuff breaking out, you know, we we've been trying to I've been trying to let you get it out throughout the show about the, uh, you know, the NFL, you know, if there was a bubble system type of plan for them that could be implemented. Uh, if you want to just share your idea, I, I, I've been wanting to hear it all day. Well, I started it last night that, you know, the bubble idea, but I kind of like refined it to an extent. I've kind of got two different, you know, ways it could go. Right. Um, first off, and I've said it on shows, I've tweeted it out. I've told every person that comes to my pizza shop, it's up to the players to make whatever system is put in place work. It's up yeah. to them to take the initiative to keep themselves healthy and keep themselves out of strip clubs in Atlanta and wherever else it is to, you know, you know, they have to want to play. Yeah. You know, you look at the basketball and hockey players, they want to play. Yeah. So they're keeping themselves healthy. There could be a lot more eyes on those two sports versus, you know, football and basketball or football and baseball if they yeah. get shut down. Yeah. So the first idea that I started last night on the show was that each team needs to create their own bubble. Yeah. You know, there used to be that holiday inn down by the stadium. Pick a hotel in Philly. All the Eagles have to stay in that hotel, okay? You need to travel the day of the game or late night beforehand. You need to send an advanced, advanced you know, scout or secretary. What the hell? <laughs> I got you now. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, we're good. Where did I cut off at? Um, so each team in a bubble, you know. So each team in their own bubble in their own hotel. You send an advanced person to the city that you're traveling to. Hopefully, the day of a game, like if you're playing the Jets or the you know Skins or you know whatever, you could travel that day, and you send somebody to the other cities, you know the Patriots or Florida, wherever you're going. Yeah. Pick out that hotel. Make sure that hotel's on lock and key. Players aren't allowed to leave that hotel other than go to the stadium. And then I kind of advanced that today as I was breaking it down, where you can either create a bubble like the NBA and NBA and NHL has, or just trim the divisions down. So I broke it down. Four different. There could be four bubbles in the NFL. You know, the Eagles could be in a bubble with the Bills, the Jets, the Giants, the Eagles, the Patriots, Ravens, Redskins, and Panthers. People that are in a you know, eight-hour little region. Yeah. And you can see yeah. like the rest of the league. And you can create a bubble just for them, you know. And you can play just that, you know, group of, you know, teams. Yeah. That's how, yeah. you know, other leagues across the country or world are doing things. You know, you, you shrink that bubble down. Yeah, it's eliminating some of the – you won't get a Cowboys game with the Eagles in that kind of bubble. But you've got to create a tight-knit bubble either for just all the teams to be together or a small travel window – where you're not getting outside of that and that you could most of the time, you know, not even travel till game day. And you can play games on Saturday. You can play games on Sunday. You don't have to play them all on Sunday. You can spread the games out so it works. Um, there's a lot of ways around this. You could travel to, you know, Carolina. It's an eight-hour drive. If you travel early in the morning, you could play an 8 o'clock game on Saturday night. Yeah. So there's definitely ways to control the bubble. But the NFL has to want to do that. You know, I talked about it earlier. The NBA is already playing next year's bubble. The NFL hasn't even figured out this year yet. <laughs> and, you know, baseball, baseball 
is, you know, already on the brink of shutting down. It's up to the players. And if they want to opt out, opt out. It's okay. I respect the guys that opt out. But you have to create that bubble either for the team or break the league down into multiple divisions and, you know, create new divisions like baseball. We're only playing how many teams the Phillies this year. You could break that bubble up just like in baseball. Yep. You can make it work, but it's up to the players to make it work. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, even to the point of the NFL, you know, basically they haven't even they haven't even declared that they're not allowing fans at the games yet. You know what I mean? Let it go, man. You know, you got to save the season and and get as much out of it as you can if you want to have a season. And like you said, yeah, you might miss out on the Eagles Cowboys game. Obviously, that would suck. You know, it's not ideal. But nothing about this year or see or any of these seasons are going to be ideal. Um, which that's going to lead me to my last point. You know, we'll go through each, you know, the the four main professional leagues. And I'm just going to ask you, do you see them finishing out their seasons? All right. So we'll start with the, uh, you know, MLB. They're, they're the ones loudest in the news right now with COVID, you know, positive tests. Do you think MLB will sustain a season and be able to finish? I think they will sustain a season, but I think not every team will play a full 60 games and they'll go by winning percentage because there's going to be outbreaks because they have no bubble. Yeah. And uh, like the Marlins are going to miss what, six, seven games. Yeah. They're not going to have the time to re- re- recap those games. Right. So that's how I feel that they'll play, but they won't play all their games. Yeah. We and I'm at the World Series champion with the little mark next to it. <laughs> exactly. And I'm at the same spot as you, you know, they're, they're already talking about that. So obviously yeah. that's most likely going to happen. Uh, Joe Girardi, I know he, he got quoted on some, some things about win percentages today. So, um, you know, I, I'm right there with you. I think they sustain it. You know, they'll, they'll push something out. They'll figure it out. Um, so what about the NBA? Do you think that they can sustain it for the entire playoffs? I think they got a good system in there. Zero cases in three weeks. You know, they, they obviously got good safety precautions there. Yeah, I think they're going to – I think they'll finish everything out. And they're going to – The thing that I worry about is that they're – they said – I forget when it is, but at some point in the playoffs, the teams are allowed to bring their families into the bubble. And that, that brings a little bit of a risk. Yeah. I forget whether it's the conference finals or the, you know, the, the round before that, you're allowed to bring your significant others and kids into the bubble. So that presents a risk of bringing in anything – now, I don't know the – the quarantine rules for that right. stuff, but right. they did say you're allowed to bring people in. Um, we'll see how that works out, but I think that they're the second most likely league to complete their their thing. Right. So, which leads us into what I'm guessing is your number one most likely to finish, the NHL. Um, obviously, what they have over you know 3,400 players. I, they're up in. Do they have they have two bubbles, right? Bubbles, Two yeah. bubbles. Well, I know one's up in Canada. Set up for the finals. Right. The, the late, the late rounds of the playoffs. Right. So I mean, you know, zero cases out of three thousand four hundred players, they're already in the bubble. So <laughs> you know what I mean? There's no reason that they should get anything, contract anything, unless you know somebody, like you said, the players have all the control here. If somebody leaves their bubble, that's what it's going to come down I mean, to. I, I'm. I... I'm not trying to make fun of Canada or anything like that, but Canada is still on lock and key. I got a lot of friends that live in Canada. 
I'm sure now that I'm on this show, they might act. They'll, they'll, they'll tune in to you know this episode. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just because you know I'm on it and all, and they're on locking. They're on lockdown up there in Canada. Still, they're not letting anybody up there, and they're not letting anybody out. So if anybody's going to make it work perfectly, it's the league that's set up in Canada, which. I mean, they're case, they've had cases. I mean, it's been bad, but nowhere near other countries. Right. Well. So NHL is number one, in my opinion. Gotcha. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you, you know, between them and the NBA. Overtime in their first game, just for anybody. That yeah, yeah, I did see that earlier. They got the they got the overtime win against the Pens, yep. man. Yep, yep. Go Flyers, right? And we'll, uh, we'll be sure, you know, as we get closer to that restart, I, I believe they start on the second, uh, the, the actual real games. So uh, we'll get some segments in here about the Flyers, man. I want to. I want to make sure we touch on all the Philly Four. Um, Flyers are always dropped off on most things. I know, know, I know, but that's our way to get you know a new fan base in here to watch us. So, uh, um, so we'll leave it, you know, with the with the NFL. My opinion, I think they're the most unlikely, to, you know, league to finish their you know scheduled season. Gotcha. Can you hear me? You, yeah, you not only did you drop out, but you froze too that time. All right. <laughs> All right. I so. heard you talking flyers, and I, I was happy you were talking flyers for a second, but that's good. <laughs> I know it like froze with your face on the screen, just smiling about that's the thing with you, yeah. Um, but uh we'll end the show, you know, the NFL. This is what you know mostly everybody cares about. They want their football, you know what I mean? A lot of guys are already opting out. Um, what do you think? Is there any chance? Well, I say we debate this pretty much every episode on my podcast because Jeff, the one, co- my Jeff Warner, the one co-host, he says he doesn't think the, the season's going to happen yeah. at all. Um, I think it's going to happen, and one of two things is going to happen: either a they're going to start, and then they're going to stop, and they're going to have to pick up, so it's going to go later, or at some point here in training camp, they're going to realize what baseball is doing is wrong, which. That's the great thing football has is they can watch best or baseball's mistakes right. and readjust. So I have a feeling that what's going to happen is that they're going to put a pause on training camp. They're going to reevaluate, reset up their structure, whether they start a new bubble or something. I don't know. But then they're going to, the start of the season, I think, is going to be delayed. Yeah. I see the start of the season until October or mid-October. And that's how I think it's going to really play out and all. But we'll, we'll see. But – I would rank it basketball or hockey, basketball, football, baseball in success rate right now. What's going on? Okay. Yeah. I can get down with that. You know, the, um, the thing about the NFL as well is, you know, they're going to try everything that they can to bring the money in. (laughs) They're, you know, they're, they're probably the most money hungry professional sports league. (laughs) You know what I mean? But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm praying, you know, they figure something out, come to their sentence, senses and, uh, you know, push the start time back, get a bubble system in place. It's the only thing that's going to work. And then obviously, you know, it's up to the players to even make that work. And the thing is, if they make new if they take new steps to maybe create a bubble plan, maybe you'll see some of those players start to opt back in. You know what I mean? Because you're, you're reducing the competition by, you know, the Patriots missing six guys probably, you know, three or four starters that, that would start for their team. You know, it's it's just reducing the competition level. So um, 
But at the same time, if guys do want to opt out, it does give opportunities for these young guys that want to make some money. So, um, and especially on the Eagles, you know what I mean? There's a lot of young, hungry, hungry guys coming into that team. A lot of young guys that wouldn't have made the team because of no off-season training. There's no rookie mini camps and stuff like that. Right. You know, these guys, the undrafted free agents had pretty much no chance at making these teams. But as players opt out, you know, on different teams, there's spots open up. Exactly. Exactly. That's what we'll. Uh, that's where we'll sign off. I uh, just want to do another shout out to my guys, uh, other podcast, uh, all about the birds, man. Perfect Eagles podcast. Make sure you guys check that out on all the major streaming platforms. He's got his shirt on. Uh, I'm right. happy you came on the, the show, first man. Official shirt. <laughs> I'm gonna have to get me one, man. I'm gonna have to get me one. Um, but yeah, man. Thanks for coming on the show. I look forward to many, many more with you, man. It, it was a pleasure. Uh, just having somebody, you know, that is so about all four sports is definitely something we needed on the show. And uh, I know you're going to bring some good takes and some good knowledge, man. You did today. That's for sure. Much appreciated. Um, remember, guys, like and subscribe uh, to us on YouTube. Check us out on all the streaming platforms. Scotty Talks Philly Sports. Um, you can find me on Twitter at ST Philly Sports One. Uh, Phil, if you want to throw him your, your, your name on Twitter and Instagram real quick. Yep. Uh, beard and knowledge, beard a knowledge is how you follow me. A A T birds is how you follow the podcast. You know, I love the little name things. I love the highlight clips, man, the, of the all the old uh, games, that, that's man. All John, I'll, I'll give credit if 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 you know don't follow me. We bash my my coach Johnny because he's got like three hundred followers on Twitter. We're all in the thousands, all of us and stuff like that. You know, follow Johnny Uleka. It's Johnny U nine three two two. He makes all the highlight videos. Nice, he man. He literally sits at work all day long instead of working, making highlight videos. <laughs> exactly. Great. He does a great job with that. I'm telling you, man. So make sure you guys go give uh, those guys a follow, man. Support support your local podcast, you know. And, uh, hey, man, thanks for coming on the show. That's, that's going to be a wrap for it, man. <laughs> all right.